Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm very pleased to be here. I was here last year and uh, I really enjoyed the, the conference. Uh, uh, I thought it was quite refreshing and thought-provoking, so I'm very pleased to be here uh, this year again. Um, so I'm going to talk about uh, ethics as a driver for humanitarian innovations. Uh, and my presentation basically has two main objectives. Uh, first of all, I would like to look into the relationship between ethics and humanitarian innovations. And secondly, uh, the, the place of the human in today's humanitarian context and uh, for humanitarian innovations. Uh, so basically this is uh, part of my uh, PhD research, uh, for, I, I look into humanitarian ethics uh, and I draw mainly from uh, philosophy and empirical work, so on the philosophical side uh, I mainly uh, work with the French 20th century philosophers, uh, philosophers of medicine and on the empirical uh, <laughs> side uh, I, I've done interviews uh, with humanitarian actors in Lebanon and Jordan recently. Uh, analyze a, a number of humanitarian memoirs and uh, I work also a lot with um, the church on the social, social sciences of on humanitarian action. Um, so uh, that's uh, basically the outline I will uh, follow. Uh, first of all, I would like to, to look at uh, what I think is a founding humanitarian innovation. Uh, so we will go back a bit uh, in the history. Uh, then I would like to look broadly at the evolution of the humanitarian system, uh, quite uh, broadly. And then uh, a big and bold question, uh, what is it to take care of other human beings? And finally, uh, the, the human uh, in today's humanitarian uh, action. So um, uh, a founding in, uh, innovation at the origin of the humanitarian system, as we know it today, I think we can locate it uh, in the um, uh, in the Battle of Torferino in 1859. Um, a Swiss businessman, businessman uh, some of you might have heard about him, Henri Dunant, uh, was uh, on a business trip and, and passed by. Uh, um, uh, the, the battlefield after the, the battle and he saw all the, the wounded uh, soldiers and he was uh, deeply moved uh, to see the, this uh, horrific uh, uh, consequences of the battle and uh, he decided to organize the, 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 the relief with the people uh, uh, in the area. Uh, and he then wrote about his uh, experience in the book uh, Memory of Solferino. And in this book, he asked uh, a very important question. Uh, would it not be possible in times of peace and quiet to form relief societies for the purpose of having care given to the wounded in wartime by zealous, devoted, and thoroughly qualified volunteers? Uh, this then led to the Geneva Convention in 1864 and uh, started the, the, the uh, Red Cross uh, movement. So what inspired this uh, founding uh, innovation? Uh, these pictures give a bit of a sense of uh, the, the, what um, uh, inspired this, um, this innovation, uh, and I think uh, I would call, uh, I would call uh, this uh, compassion, um, uh, compassion which I, I, I define uh, from, uh, from its etymological root as a feeling with, uh, so a feeling with uh, these uh, wounded uh, soldiers uh, and the conviction that something should be done, that this is was completely unacceptable that they were left to die uh, um, without any uh, support. 
so on this basis, uh, I, I would like to uh, make a first point about the relationship between ethics and uh, innovation. So first of all, I think we can identify uh, ethics as um, uh, regulation, uh, regulatory uh, so <coughs> ethics that uh, imposes the limit and distinguishes between what is good, what is bad, what should be, what shouldn't be. Uh, and in this um, aspect of ethics, we can uh, think of uh, uh, the, uh, like a, the humanitarian principles, uh, uh, the recent uh, core humanitarian uh, standard. I think in some way the, the ethical principles uh, for humanitarian innovation would uh, fall in this um, uh, aspect of, uh, of, uh, of ethics. Uh, but also uh, we can um, talk about another aspect of ethics, which is uh, ethics as creation, as a creative gesture that uh, actually pushes the limits, invents new ways of being and of doing. Uh, and um, as we could see in the example of uh, Henri Dunant, uh, it can constitute a very uh, powerful uh, driving force. Um, so I would like to uh, focus a little bit more. I mean, I, I wanted to highlight this uh, this aspect because I, I have the feeling that uh, we tend to focus much more on the ethics, uh, on the idea of ethics as regulation. Uh, and uh, well, I think it's quite important, uh, especially in uh, humanitarian uh, work. And actually, this uh, notion of ethics as a creative uh, gesture has a, 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 a deep uh, philosophical tradition behind it. Just to mention two names, uh, we can think of uh, Spinoza in his book um, on ethics, uh, and also much closer to us, uh, Michel Foucault, who in, uh, in the last part of his uh, work uh, talked about um, uh, ethics as a, as a practice of one's um, freedom. Um, so that's uh, on this basis now I, I would like to look uh, quite uh, broadly and quickly at the, at the evolution of the humanitarian system uh, and, and, and that way I hope to, to capture something important in this uh, evolution. So. Um, yeah, I, I think we can we can identify we can see that uh, the humanitarian the system uh, at, the, at, the, at the beginning was mainly based on, on notions of charity, altruism, and ethos of volunteerism, and progressively it uh, became increasingly dominated by ideas of rights, duties, standards, procedures, and an ethos of professionalism uh, increasingly. And I, I think we can locate this uh, uh, shift uh, mainly around the 1990s. And these two texts, uh, the, the, the commentary of the fundamental uh, principle of the Red Cross by uh, Jean Pictet in 1979, and the Humanitarian Charter, on the other hand, um, drafted uh, by the, the Sphere Project uh, uh, from 1997. <coughs> uh, I think these two texts are quite emblematic um, of these two uh, kind of paradigms that we can uh, uh, identify uh, in the evolution of the system. Uh, and uh, like, for example, when you look at the, the fundamental, uh, the, the commentary uh, by Jean Pictet, he talks about humanitarian action as devotion, as a spontaneous movement, an instantaneous affective reaction to the suffering of others. And he talks also about altruistic and disinterested love. I'm sure you haven't heard many of these words uh, 
in, in, in a conference like this, uh, this is a language that is no longer really appropriate uh, in today's uh, humanitarian world. Um, and uh, there are good reasons uh, for that, uh, I, I think. Um, now um, we talk more in terms of rights, and for example, the, the, the humanitarian chapter uh, really bases the, um, the uh, humanitarian action on the right to life with dignity, the right to receive humanitarian assistance. Uh, there is uh, what is interesting actually is, is to note that a similar shift also occurred in the in the healthcare sector. Um, this shift from from the paradigm of love to a paradigm of dominated by rights and, and duties. And there is a, a French philosopher who does research and writes about the philosophy of medicine. And he has this interesting uh, picture of uh, uh, the crucifix on the, on the bed, uh, over the bed of the patient uh, being replaced uh, by the, 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 the charter of the rights of, uh, <coughs> of the patient. Uh, I think that gives a sense of uh, this shift that uh, happened uh, in the healthcare sector and which parallels in some way the, the shift that occurred in the humanitarian uh, system. Uh, this evolution is also uh, an evolution in complexity and, 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 and professionalism. Uh, he, the first picture is uh, Henri Dunant giving a, a glass of water to a, a wounded soldier to alleviate his, uh, his thirst, uh, but he will probably die of uh, his injuries because of the lack of resources and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and skills uh, um, at the time. Uh, and and uh, the, the, the second picture is, a, is, a, is of the UN cluster uh, system uh, that gives a sense of the, the, the very of the uh, significant structure uh, and complexity uh, of the system today uh, with the different um, um, categories of needs uh, and the different organisation uh, in charge of these uh, different categories. So I, I think we can uh, be grateful of the improvement in efficiency and effectiveness uh, achieved through this uh, evolution. But uh, we should be, I think that this evolution didn't come uh, without uh, any risk. Uh, and just to, to mention two risks, um, which uh, I, uh, I think are significant uh, in this new uh, system. First of all, uh, sort of disconnection from real needs and capacities of crisis affected the individuals and communities. So that's one of the main uh, conclusion of the listening project uh, that uh, Mary Anderson led. Um, and then an increasingly mechanistic and impersonal uh, system as well. Uh, Ronnie Bromant talks about the domination of uh, uh, technological approach. And, uh, and in my interview, also, I, I heard you um, uh, um, uh, actors uh, being concerned of the <coughs> fact that, uh, yeah, the beneficiaries increasingly just become a number on their uh, on the screen, and that they're increasingly doing the job as just any other job. Uh, so that that was a concern that uh, I heard uh, several times. So maybe a main risk, I would uh, I would say, is an increasing distance between humanitarians and the uh, population uh, um, in, ne in need. And we can see here the, the how we've uh, um, uh, gone uh, far from this uh, initial uh, compassion and feeling with uh, that uh, uh, we could see uh, in our original uh, gesture. Uh, for example. 
So uh, on this uh, basis and to respond to this risk, uh, today we are increasingly hearing calls for human-centered human approaches. Uh, for example, the core human and standards uh, place communities and people affected by crisis at the center of humanitarian action. Uh, the humanitarian innovation project also about a human-centered approach, the need for uh, designs that are user-focused. Uh, Marianne Anderson uh, calls for a collaborative aid system in which local people are seen as colleagues and drivers of their own development. So uh, um, all this is obviously very, uh, very important and, and, and I think uh, uh, an important move uh, for, in today's humanitarian system. But I have the feeling that sometimes these calls are, are, are I wonder if they are not only rhetoric. Sometimes uh, we, want, we, we wonder what, what is behind them. Um, so uh, in order to get a bit of a better sense of uh, what, do, what do they mean, I, I would like to, um, uh, to ask uh, quite a bold question, uh, what is it to take care of other human beings? Um, so, uh, and to do that, I will um, uh, draw from a, a definition developed by a, a philosopher, uh, Frederick Worms, and who defines care, uh, like taking care of human beings, as any practice uh, aiming at relieving a living being of his or her material needs or vital sufferings, and this for the sake of this being him or herself. So, uh, what, what is contained in this definition? Uh, first of all, we can see uh, a first part, which consists in relieving a living being of his or her material needs or vital suffering. So this is what I call the practical response uh, of the gesture of care. Uh, and this practical response can be improved, in particular through uh, uh, innovation in products and processes. Uh, and, and the idea is, is to look for the faster and cheaper and better ways to, to improve uh, this response, to respond to the, to the need and the suffering uh, of, of the person. But there is an, a second aspect in this definition, uh, and it's uh, the fact that this uh, practice is for the sake of this being him or herself. So what's the, the role of this uh, the second part of the sentence? Why is it important to, uh, to highlight this uh, element? What, what does he add? I think what he adds is that basically it really distinguishes uh, what it is, for example, to, to uh, take care of a toaster from what it is to take care of a human being. It's like taking care of a toaster, repairing toaster has an instrumental use. You, you do it because you want to have toasted bread in the morning. Uh, you don't do it for the sake of the toaster itself. While uh, taking care of another human being is for the sake of this <coughs> being him or herself. Uh, so this gives the sense of the finality uh, um, uh, and the fact that and this is this captured the specifically human aspect and uh, I, I, um, I'm thinking that maybe this is what we mean when we talk about human-centered uh, approach um, so yeah I, I guess we got uh, quite good at the practical response uh, improving this uh, this response and uh, this um, um, through different uh, methods, through different approaches. But sometimes I have to feel that we, we, we lose the, the second part of the sentence, the sense of finality and the, the sense of this specifically human aspect. Um, so yeah, that takes us to the, to the, the last section uh, in which like, I would like uh, well, 
I would like to really join these voices that call for a more human-centered uh, approach. Um, but I would like to look before uh, what uh, what is this uh, human in today's humanitarian uh, practice uh, in the experience of humanitarian actors today. And for that, uh, I have some testimonies uh, from uh, from the field that I draw from uh, from my interviews. For example, the, uh, this uh, first one is from um, uh, a humanitarian actor in uh, Jordan who was uh, in charge of uh, a team doing a needs assessment uh, in the house of refugee families. And he would advise them, uh, telling them, um, speak at first before you write anything, but don't speak in this formal way, my name is blah, 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 I work with blah, blah, blah. No, talk to the man, it's normal. You don't have to sit and go and sit like a statue. Go for a cigarette with the people, throw a joke, play with the kid, do something. Uh, and another one was telling me about these moments when we are a little less an institution and a little more person. And that's another uh, quote which I draw from um, uh, uh, an article from uh, ICRC, the doctor Paul Bouvier, uh, who talks, he talks about these little things in humanitarian work. And he says, for example, on some occasion, the visit became a real encounter. We would talk about our lives and our families, about nature, about art and culture, beliefs and hopes, but quite often just about little things, small things in everyday life. Humor would sometimes emerge, and joyful laughter would unexpectedly burst out in the midst of the dire realities. They were intense moments, moments of shared humanity. I have uh, some other um, uh, testimonies from people at the management level, but I think I will skip them um, for a question of time. Uh, and I would like to, um, to, to, to see what do these testimonies are about, ultimately. What do they tell us? Um, and in a way, you might think, well, that's quite insignificant what you're talking about. What's the point? Uh, and concretely, what do they achieve? Uh, what, what's the point of indeed going to smoke a cigarette with the beneficiaries or, or, or talking about art with the detainees uh, or playing with the kids? Uh, so yeah, I think there is a good point to say, well, that's insignificant and useless and it's taking time f away from actual action. Uh, but uh, I think at the same time, I, I would argue that they are, they are important uh, and they are actually very important uh, in the sense that they are experiences of this specifically human aspect uh, in humanitarian work. Um, and to come back uh, to, to the, the, the definition that, we, uh, that I, I, I mentioned before, uh, basically what these testimonies uh, uh, point to is a certain interruption of the practical response uh, of relieving a, a living being of his or her material needs or vital suffering. Uh, so a, a certain suspension or, or interruption of this, uh, of this practical response uh, uh, to really get to a sense of the finality, an experience of this specifically uh, human uh, aspect. Um, so uh, yeah, so in, in a way we, we come back to the no notion of compassion that I, I mentioned before, this notion of compassion in the way of uh, just feeling with uh, another person. Um, I would say that the notion of compassion is no longer one that we can use uh, to today, uh, so maybe we, we 
would be good to, to have uh, innovation in, in this aspect uh, as well, uh, this level of, of the language. But uh, I wanted to highlight this dimension of um, uh, uh, experience uh, of, of, of human uh, connection. Um, and yeah, oh, sorry, that's uh, sorry. That, so that's about my, my, uh, my the last point I would like to make. Uh, I think that ethics precisely resides in this capacity to hold together the both both aspects, both the practical response uh, on the one hand and the, the sense of finality, uh, the sense that this is done for the sake of this uh, person, uh, him or herself. Um, so my last slide. Uh, so. I, yeah, um, uh, I hope I, uh, I wanted to say that yeah, ethics is, is a, a, a profound uh, potential for humanitarian innovation. Um, uh, I think that the, there is a need for a valorization of apparently insignificant experiences uh, of uh, human connections, as uh, I mentioned, uh, and the importance of holding together both the practical response and the sense of uh, finality for uh, humanitarian action and uh, innovation. Thank you very much. Thank you, that was excellent. I think really